The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I know you listened to James Cahill's podcast with Will Darren Hall. They asked James who was going to win. He said Galway. Well, why do you think? Because I just really, really want him to win. <laughs> Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. They're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello and good morning. This is episode 27 of the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. I'm Kathleen McNamee and alongside me is Karen Duggan. We are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready for our first early morning Euros special. You can tell by my voice alone that that's definitely not true, but... We're going to motor on. Once we actually get start talking about some football, it'll be fun. Um, now, the tournament doesn't actually start until tomorrow. So in retrospect, we probably didn't need to go this early today, but <laughs> it's good training. And as much as this is a tournament for all the players, it's also a tournament for Karen and I <laughs> to see if we can stay up. Free tournament <laughs> prep. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is, of course, the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We'll be with you every Tuesday and Friday morning throughout the group stages of the tournament and after each knockout round to bring you all the latest on each match as they happen. As things get underway, we only have two matches to preview this morning from Group A. So we shall get going on those. First, of course, we have the opener at Old Trafford. England versus Austria could be, could smash the record for Euros attendance, presuming everyone who has bought a ticket and sold the place out turns up, which I assume they will. I think the current record's around 31,000, so it won't take much to actually beat it. Uh, Karen, how are you feeling about the first match for England? Kind of, they'll need to make a statement from this match, won't they? They are. I'm, I'm excited for the tournament to kick off. I feel like we've been looking forward to it for a good while. Um, such a long time between the qualifiers and the actual tournament. It's really hard to tell how teams will go, um, particularly Northern Ireland. Their form has changed a lot. But in terms of England and them kicking off against Austria, I think it's the, the perfect start for them because it will be a test, but it's a match that I'm very confident that they'll win and allow them to gain momentum and to do it in front of a sold out Old Trafford. Again, it's going to pique people's interest. It's going to really drive the tournament. And I think it'll ultimately help England out. The The women's tournament has been interesting in that we've seen home nations do very well. I think there's been three winners from home nations um, in basically since its inception, which isn't that long ago. So um, yeah, really, I think very positive outlook for England going into this one. I think so as well. And it's it's an interesting group, Group A, because I suppose a lot of people talk about the group with, you know, Germany, Spain. That's the group of death. That's the mm. one that where the competitive matches are. But this one, there's a bit of grip between all the teams. I mean, they've all been in the same World Cup qualifying group. England have knocked Norway out in the 2015 World Cup and the 2019 World Cup. And if you look at all the matches, that's probably going to be the grudge match of the group. I think you're right in terms of the first game being one that England should win, but I'm I'm always interested to see how they line out for that match and what like does Serena Wiegmann say from the start, right? I'm going to mark my intentions here and I'm not going to let up for the entire tournament because they have questions like say someone like Alan White who had COVID in that role, she is their best option really you look at like behind her there's Bethany England there's Alessia Rosso and they come on as substitutes and they do well but in terms of actually getting that start she's undeniably the person you want 
So does she stick with her for the entire tournament or does she give her a break in this first match, knowing that maybe it's one that they can... I think I think you start her. I think she's someone who wouldn't be intimidated by the stage. She seems to be someone who kind of relishes attention and a crowd. And, and you can see it from her celebrations that she thrives off it. She's a proper striker. She wants to be the one on the end of it. I think if she feels fit to start that they don't, they shouldn't really um, rest her. I think get an early lead and then take her off after 50, 60 minutes. I do expect England to be ahead by that time. Their record against Austria is exceptional. I think the score 22 conceded one. Um, so they'll be looking to set out intentions, clean sheet, get the scoreboard up in, in case something like a draw happens against Norway. Again, I don't see it happen. I think England are very, very strong, but um no, they'll definitely want to set out their intentions. So for me, Ellen White starts. And to have someone like Rousseau, who also knows where the back of the net is, very strong um, from crosses, which I think would be good, particularly with Hemp providing them from the left. And um, they have lots of options on the right as well where they can come from. So I think possibly start and then rest. It's interesting you say there about England taking an early lead and keeping the clean sheet because taking an early lead is something that they haven't been particularly good at, especially in the lead up to the tournament. I know like the first half against the Netherlands, there was that Lucy Bronze goal that was probably a cross yeah. <laughs> and they played Belgium. It was a bit the same. It took until about the 60th minute for them to actually really they were putting in all the shots. They just weren't going into the net and it wasn't that they were facing an incredible defence. It was just their target was a little bit off. Do you think that's something that Wiegmann will be looking to change going into the tournament and kind of say to her team, look, okay, right now we're playing Austria, but we could be playing Germany, Netherlands, France, whoever it is in the next round. And we need to make sure that we have that down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is... There's no second chances here in, in a tournament like this. I mean, we've got our group stages, but if you if you let up a little bit in the, the knockout stages, they will be made pay the price because they're going to come up against teams who have similar potent attacks. If we look at the likes of Spain um, and what they have to offer, even the Netherlands, I know that they were beaten by England in the lead up. But um, I think that it will be very important for them to set out their stall early because as much as the crowd will spur them on um, when nerves start to seep into a crowd, you can also feel that as well. And that can kind of play on your mind. So they're going to have to be very mentally strong to go all the way in this tournament. Um, so getting over that hump and, and that kind of, Oh, are we bad at, at starting games? Do, are we not clinical enough? Um, I think that's why against Austria, they play their strongest team just to kind of build confidence and, get the ball in the back of the net early doors and I I do think they will do it um, and I do think they've got enough creativity now in the attacking areas to really challenge teams um, so it's for me it's just about how they stand up to the pressure mm. One of the I want to say a controversy but I suppose one of the more interesting things leading into the tournament for England was the fact that Seth Horton was dropped Leo Williamson brought in brought in as captain I mean, she's a great player. There's no denying that, but I'm not entirely sure if she's found her place yet in Wiegmann's system. I don't know if Wiegmann really knows where she lands in her system either. You know, she sometimes she plays her a bit more defensively. Sometimes she brings her up closer to the midfield. Is a captain droppable in that sort of sense? Or do you think it's a case of putting her in a position, even if it's not 100% right, especially maybe in these group stages against Austria and the Northern Irelands, where you have a bit of time to play around before you go into the knockout stages? Yeah, well, for me, she's 
the best cent- English centre back um, available. So you play your best players in their best position. Um, and I know she's been pushed up into midfield. I don't think the captain is droppable, um, particularly after making the statement of dropping Steph Houghton. I think that's an interesting call. I think in a squad of this size, you need leaders. And I know they have them. They have the likes of Lucy Bronze and people like that who who have done it all. But for me, the way players seem to talk about Houghton, I think she would have been a great asset to have in the squad, albeit maybe a leadership role from the bench because they do have some young players as well who will need an arm around their shoulder as they go. And Lee Williamson herself, she's not that old. Was she 25 maybe? 26? Yeah, she's about my age, I think. So, about yeah, so I mean, it's a lot of pressure to put on her, particularly if you're going to play her out of position. So she's having to do a lot of media. She's having to speak about this topic of being the new captain and it's a lot to put on young shoulders so for me to make her more comfortable I would be playing her in her best position which for me is centre-back Okay and we shouldn't and we've talked a lot about England but we also shouldn't ignore their opposition in Austria because while you would expect them to win and history would say they do have some good players uh, Sarah Zadrazil this is the point where I try to make sure I get everyone's names correct I'm going to leave that to probably you probably don't do a great job um, but again great in midfield and um, that is one area where England are still I think kind of working out what they want to do there so that's definitely something that they can look at Nicole Bia was the Fram Bundesliga top scorer in 2021 which is not like an easy feat either like there's some great scorers in the Fram Bundesliga and especially when you look at the sort of defensive play you know it's quite a physical league a lot of their top scorers they're not these dainty strikers that you get in other leagues you know they're they're physical they get involved in the breakup play they're not they're not standing back and just waiting for the the balls to come up forward so I think like it should be a good occasion and I do hope that Austria put it to them slightly just yeah I I think you're right I think their style of play they're going to have to bring a lot of physicality. If I was them, I wouldn't have any problem with getting a little bit cynical. Um, frustrating England, like I said, testing how mentally tough they are. We're talking about how brilliant a lot of their players are, but you have to test them mentally in a tournament like this. So if I was them, I would be encouraging my striker, if I'm not going to make that first ball, can I stop their centre-back in some way? Can I step on toes? I know it's not pretty but Austria won't care about that they'll care about quietening the crowd slowing the game down um, causing a lot of frustration Um, so I hope they set up like that I think it's the only way for them to challenge in this game is to do something like that I think the only expansive game that I imagine we'll see in this group is England-Norway because they'll both back themselves to be the better team Um, but the likes of Austria and Northern Ireland they're just going to have to to set up um, bank defence bank the midfield and hope like that you get a set piece and you've got a big striker who couldn't possibly get on the end of it. And then the second game in this group is obviously Northern Ireland and Norway. I will actually be at this game so Friday's podcast will be coming to you from a Premier Inn in Southampton. (laughs) The glory of it all. Uh, But an exciting one in the fact that this is I think the main talking point around Norway rightly or wrongly has been that it is Ada Hergerberg's first major tournament back since 2017. I mean, she's Champions League all-time top scorer since she has been back. She's already scored four goals in five games. Is this the tournament that she, is she going to be going for a golden boot, do you think, if Norway managed to get out of the group? Yeah, I mean, Norway, 
they kind of go under the radar. They won their qualifying group when Ireland played against them. I think people will always remember that Ireland were up against the European champions at the time um, in Holland. But Norway were very comprehensive. They they beat Holland in one of those games who were, again, the champions. And if you look at the teams that a lot of their players are playing for, they're up there with some of the best. I mean, in terms of the mix, they have an experience in defence. Like we'll, we've spoken about the WSL players. So we've got Mielda, Chelsea, Blackstad, United, Thorstadia, United, Borisa, United, and like Engen, Barcelona, Gura Wright and Chelsea. Um, like the names, they do have names as well. And maybe they're not headline grabbers as much as Hergerberg, but it means that... And the one and only Caroline Graham Hansen at Barcelona. Of course, yeah. of course. But like, <laughs> they're, they're a team that has quality all over the park. So if they're coached and set up correctly, I do think that they can challenge any team. And when you have someone like Hergerberg and Hansen, I mean... That's going to frighten any attempt, uh, any defense. That's going to make them stand up and say, "Oh, maybe we need to be a bit more conservative, and maybe that'll draw them on." So Norway will be happy that they're underdogs in this group because it'll allow them to go quietly about their business. I mean, unfortunately for Northern Ireland, they'll come out in the first game, and again, like England, want to make a stamp on this group. Yeah, and I think their last two meetings, they've breezed past them by six goals. You'd be hoping for Northern Ireland's sake that they'll have some pre-tournament nerves um, and Northern Ireland won't have any pressure on them. I mean, first major tournament, what an achievement to be there. They're in no run of form. So there's absolutely no expectation of them going into this tournament. I don't know. I'm trying to put a positive spin on that, but they they haven't been in great form. And there's been a few stories around the the squad that you could have done without in recent times. But um yeah, again, like Austria, you just be hoping that they can hold them out for a while and frustrate them and make a game of it. Yeah, well, you mentioned there a couple of the players. I mean, Norway, I think in some ways has underperformed at times from what it could actually what they could actually do. And possibly some of the matches that I watched in the lead up into the tournament, you know. Hergerberg was kind of was making them look a bit better than they definitely had before. And I think just having that world class person who can get goals. And again, she's someone who will take the attention. She's yeah. well used to it. She's experienced. She's been under the spotlight for a long time. So maybe it'll allow the likes of Hansen and Guru Wrighton to just kind of play with more freedom because they won't be doing as much media and they won't have as much spotlight on them. Yeah, and even when you look at, say, you mentioned like Marimeld, a great player, but she hasn't played all that much this year because she had that really bad energy or bad injury, not bad energy. I'm sure her energy is great. <laughs> and then Riathar Studier as well. Like they are playing for big teams, but in terms of absolutely defensive rocks, they're maybe not who you'd look to. And you do have a few good players that in the Northern Ireland team that if they can get up front, if they can manage to get a ball in front of goal, you would put it to them that they're actually able to do it. Out of the Northern Ireland team, who is the person that kind of stands out to you that you can think, even if the team or the squad doesn't make it being make it the most amazing tournament, that they can make it an individual one for themselves? I, I'm a big admirer of Rachel Furness. Um, I mean, she's she's so calm on the ball. She's a leader. She's a rock. She'll be, I think, someone that will be 
driving them on. I think that a lot of the younger players will be looking towards her and how she'll perform in, in order to kind of take energy from them. Um, I know she's one of the elder statesmen of the team, but they'll need someone like that. And she's had a great year. I mean, promotion with Liverpool. She's one of the longest running professionals in that team. Um, and then you've got the likes of Laura Rafferty at the back who will play with her heart in her sleeve. I'm sure she'll definitely pick up a couple of yellow cards as we go through <laughs> thing. But again, you're going to need someone like that who's willing to do that, make those big tackles and put themselves about if they are going to try and frustrate um, other teams. And look, you'd love to see someone like McGill pop up with the goal up top and just set the place on fire. You'd love to see a fairy tale story. But when you compare the two squads and just the levels that they're playing at, they're not comparable. And when you look at the Northern Ireland team, the amount of home-based players that they do have in there, it just shows what a credit they are um, and that the Northern Ireland FA, the work that they've put into their development. I've read their strategic development plans, very well thought out, very well executed now. Um, For the 47th ranked team to make this tournament is is absolutely massive. They're the only team outside the top 30 in there. Um, So there's no expectation they're, they're ranked probably where they are actually on their ability when you look at um, the amount of players that are playing professionally, but everything they're doing is a step in the right direction. And I think other small nations can learn a lot from what Northern Ireland have done, ourselves included. Yeah. I was, that's the thing I keep thinking whenever I see Northern, like I'm delighted for them. It's great that yes. they got to their first major tournament, but every time I see it, I'm just like, why are, why are we not there? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Why, um, why haven't we, like, you look at the squad that we have, we definitely have more players playing professionally. They, it's not like Northern Ireland has had the massively easy qualification run either. Like, you know, they. Yeah, they were some impressive. <laughs> but they were, they were very well coached. I mean, Shields has come under some fire for some of his comments, but his team came out and backed him. So he had the buy in from the players. He had the kind of. Um, he had the reputation coming into this that he he would have garnered a lot of respect from the off and he's worked really well with what he's had. Um, and they've put a lot of work into their home base. They've started a level of professionalism there that we don't have in this country. We are so focused on sending our girls off to play professionally that we're still lagging a bit, in my opinion, in terms of focus on our own league. Um, particularly if you look at our league this year, a lot of the players that have been lost a lot of teams are starting to lose games that you don't expect them to lose because the quality has left the league um, and you're wondering what bridges that gap. And again, that comes from grassroots up. We won't get into all that. This is I was like, Karen, I feel like a bit emotional yeah. after last night. No. <laughs> we won't get into all that. We don't have time for that. It's full focus on the Euros. Um, and just in terms of Northern Ireland, I think that they're going to have the backing as the underdog from a lot of the neutral supporters, which unfortunately we are given that we're not there. But um, look, I'd love to see them get a result or two and, and have a great run. Um, but yeah, they're an absolute credit to themselves. And but they do have an awful hard test in their first game. Let's be realistic. Yeah, they do. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how many people turn up on Thursday. Um, I will give you all a proper lowdown when I come back. Yeah, I think people were talking about the Titanic link and how great yeah, exactly. it was uh, drawn at the Southampton Stadium. So yeah, it should be good. 
Well, that is all we have time for this morning. As I mentioned at the start, we will be with you not once, but twice throughout this week. So make sure you're subscribed to the Koi Gig Pod in all your usual spots. And you'll get us first thing every morning right after we record. If you have any thoughts or opinions at any point throughout the competition, fire them into us at Off The Ball and using the hashtag OTV Koi Gig. Thanks again, Karen, and I will see you on Friday. See you then. The Koi Gig Pod and OTV Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.